Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Red Sox Precap Podcast, your podcast from the Old Monster Podcast Network, where we recap the series that just ended, preview the series that's about to start. I'm your host, Keaton DeRocher, joined this time by Bob Osgood. Bob, thanks for being here in a pinch, covering yeah. a little scheduling issue. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for calling in the right-hander. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's been a minute since we've done one of these podcasts. We have uh, had a lot of scheduling overlaps and uh then we had matt leaving and some other podcast issues uh, or just podcast scheduling things that we were working out but we were looking to get back right on track delivering this pod to you twice a week after every series uh and getting all that back on track and then uh naturally at the last minute we had another scheduling issue but thankfully bob was able to get in here so we can keep this going so yeah um we have a nice nice little series here with the Athletics to recap, so let's dive on in. Red Sox win the series, two games to one. Game one, Pavetta versus Koenig. Red Sox get the win, six to one. Pavetta, another brilliant start. Eight innings pitched, one run that was earned. Three hits, two walks, three strikeouts, and then Phillips Valdez finished it off. Uh, three hits from Ruff Snyder, two hits from Bogarts. We had homers from J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers. What were your thoughts on yet another spectacular performance from Nick Pavetta, and were you kind of hoping he was going to go out there for the ninth? Um, I actually didn't think he was going to go back out, mainly because they already gave him that one complete game, and he's just thrown deep into games quite a bit, which is a good problem to have, and he was pitching to contact uh, all night. You know, he, he just had three strikeouts, but he was throwing strikes, uh, had 10 whiffs, and his fastball was at 94, which is about a tick higher than it normally is. He was maxing out over 96, which is just a really good place for him to be. The curveball was good. He's thrown with confidence, acting like a madman out there. And, you know, it's really just been its been a fascinating stretch. I can't remember the last pitcher that looked so, or you know, so poor for three or four starts and so dominant for the nine starts since that, you know, right. Um, he's, he's just on this stretch. I mean, when you look at his game line, it's, 
since those first three starts, it's craziness, and they're all six, seven, eight, nine, going deep into games and pitching with confidence. And you know, since those first three starts, he's six and two with a two point two nine ERA um, and keeping the walks down. So I was glad that they, you know, he was at a hundred. And you're always risking getting close to to 120. I think the fact that he already had a complete game, I was I was okay with pulling him there, especially since I didn't think the A's were much of a threat to come back there. Yeah, at six to one, it was a bit inconsequential. It's better off to just finish the game than worry about getting him another uh, another complete game. Yeah, um, we didn't run into a safe situation in this series, but since it's been a while since we have uh, done one of these podcasts, and we recently had. Um, some, I believe it was, uh, it was either Chris Mason or Chris Cotillo who had a conversation with the Red Sox pitching coach uh, and asked, is Tanner Houck the closer of the Red Sox? And the response was, it sure looks that way. So, <laughs> since this is, uh, I mean, we talk, basically every time we get together to talk about the Red Sox, we're going to talk about what's going on with the back of the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, Tanner Houck did get the most recent save for the Red Sox. Um, what are your thoughts on Tanner Houck being the closer um, and just kind of the the back end of the bullpen right now? Yeah, and then on, on Monday when the first two guys got on, I think he started at least throwing a few throws to, to start to get loose. So it seemed like they would have gone to him. He was starting to move around there. Um, I think it's as good as, of an option as you have. I mean, from when we were talking in March at the previews, I... I thought that they should have gotten a, a surefire back-end guy, and I've wanted to trade for one for two months because I think it's cost them about eight games this season. Yeah. Um, but looking at all the, the arms out there, I, I don't know if I see Hulk long-term for his whole career as like a shutdown closer just because of the command issues. I think he's the type that you know you can kind of tell right away. You might walk a guy and hit a guy, and, and it sometimes takes him an inning to get going, and then in the second and third innings he can be dominant or something like that. So he might be the type that you want to have someone getting loose if the first guy gets on. But when he's going and in both, uh, or I guess on, especially on the Sunday outing, which was about eight pitches and he had just that, you know, bowling ball, Clay Holmes type of sinker thing that, that, that throwing at 96, 97, if he's got that going, he can have quick innings. And um, I just think he's as good of an option as they have right now while still wanting to, make a trade and hopefully bring up a, a power arm from, from triple a later in the year. I kind of, I'm not as concerned with the walks. Uh, I think when you have really good stuff and like overpowering strikeout ability, like he does, I think that kind of makes up for it. Like we, I mean, we got firsthand uh, viewing of Craig Kimbrell and his walks. And yeah. we also, while it did make for some stressful save situations at times, I and mean, we saw was it like three or four seasons in a row of forty plus saves. Yeah. So I'm not as concerned. I think, and like um, Kenley Jansen is another one um, for the Dodgers who like consistently had walks per nines up in the fours um, and was still shoving out saves. So sure. I'm not. I think the elite closers, when you have really really good stuff, like I think how does can get around it. Um, although it does get rather stressful at times. Yeah, I'd just like to see his K per nine tick up a little bit. You know, it's been yeah, around right. 11 for the last two years, and it's eight and a half this year. So if he's walking three and a half and Kang eight and a half, that's not a great discrepancy. But you're right. If he can get back to um, to get those those strikeouts going, and especially the way that he looked on, on Sunday, you know, they might have something. And maybe he gets comfortable and gets on a roll, and it's certainly um, 
I don't know. I'd rather go that route than, than anything I've seen the last two months. So let's roll with it for now. Yeah, I dig it. All right, game two. Josh Winkowski or James Caprillion. Red Sox get the win 10-1 to here, running away with it. Winkowski, five innings pitched, four hits, no runs, one walk, three Ks. His second start here in the majors. Uh, Diekman went one inning, allowing one run, and then Sawamura, Brazier, and Danish finished it all off with clean innings. We had two hits apiece from JBJ and Story, three hits apiece from Verdugo and Bogarts, and homers from Devers and Bogarts. Devers, I believe, at this point had homered in four in a row. Um, what were your thoughts on Winkowski's second run here uh, in the majors? Yeah, I, I felt like, uh, you know, before getting in with Winkowski, Wednesday night was just a repeat game of Tuesday. It was 6 nothing after 4 in both games. I think the Red Sox went 1-1-1-3 on Tuesday night in the first four innings, and then 1-2-1-2. So they scored in every inning, and in both of those games, Devers hit a home run that pretty much finished them off in the fourth inning, and it was uh, it was over at that point. So just like identical games both nights at Fenway there. Uh, with Winkowski, you know, he threw five innings. I thought he mixed up his pitches. He, he threw strikes for the most part. Um, you know, mostly throwing sinkers for his fastball, but he used that 50% of the time and then threw his off-speed, uh, 33% slider and 16% changeup. So it was good to see a guy throwing, throwing three pitches, throwing them for strikes, and, you know, it's against Oakland, and it would be interesting to see that type of outing in July when they have that stretch against the AL East. But I think he's a good depth starter and, and a possible... Um, you know, bullpen arm in the second half. I, I don't know if it's his motion or his uh, his repertoire, but he reminds me of Brandon Workman a little bit when I watch him pitch. Um, kind of just the, the big hook and a, a similar windup. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Jaron Duran was recalled for this game when uh, Christian Arroyo got put on the COVID list. Um, he probably would have been recalled earlier uh, when um, Kike Hernandez got hurt and put on the I.L., However, he had just been sent down, and he had to wait 10 days. Uh, but now he is back. So, with Kike and Arroyo out and Duran back, um, first, how should the infield and the outfield look right now? Um, and who should be on the bench? Uh, which I know is a lot. But just who would who, – basically, who who is your preferred lineup here with who we have at the major league level? And then, follow-up question – when all those guys are healthy, should Duran stay? Or um, do you think he should go back to AAA and get everyday at-bats? Yeah, so in terms of what they have now, I mean, hopefully it's a, just another couple of days. It sounds like Kike is more of a, a minimum stay, at least they think, and Arroyo is, is on the COVID list, so that could be anything. So, you know, it might be another game or two. Um, you know, they have a lot of lefties between Verdugo and Bradley and Duran and Franchi, uh, who all can play the outfield. So I think when there's a left-handed pitch, pitching that Ref Snyder will play. Um, but I would probably, I just think Duran should probably be the odd man out right now, um, especially the way that Franchi has been hitting the ball. Like he's just hit some absolute rockets. He had a 114-mile-per-hour hit on Thursday that, you know, some of these balls look like they could kill somebody that, that, that are off his bat. So he's he's in a pretty good place, and I think he deserves um, some time out there. So I would say that, that when at least one of them is back, that I think Duran would be the one to go down, especially with Ref Snyder being a, a right-handed hitter um, that they can, can use against lefties. And you saw it in the game Thursday, as soon as they brought Puck in, 
you know, they kind of flipped everything around and brought Ref Snyder and Dahl back into the game uh, instead of, of Duran and Franchi. So I, th- that's my guess, especially uh, also, you know, there was the, the, the play with Story on Thursday where uh, he probably should have been called off by Duran and he might not have been comfortable or confident to make that call and ended up falling in for a double. And that's where things kind of unraveled. And Cora made a comment after the game that it was Duran's ball. So I don't know. I just wonder if defensively they might just not think that he's ready, especially for a contending team. I think he's ready. I think he should stay. <laughs> I think he should be getting every day at bats, but at the major league level. Okay. Yeah. I'd like um, to see him um, kind of knock JBJ to the bench, and then they use him as a fourth outfielder and defensive replacement. I agree with that. <laughs> I, I thought from the beginning there should have been another outfielder here, preferably that was a right-handed hitter to platoon with Bradley. Um, yeah. I, I do want... I, I think that might be next year with Duran. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going off of what I think they're going to do rather than what I want to see happen. I want to see Duran play. I want to see the yeah. the drag bunts and the stolen bases and you know triples in the alley and that whole thing. It would be a lot more exciting. It's just I'm getting this vibe that they're only going to him in emergencies. You know. Yeah. All right, game three today. This uh, afternoon game. Um, Hill versus Blackburn. Red Sox take the loss four to three. Hill went five and two thirds innings pitched, seven hits, four runs, three earned, no walks, four strikeouts. Uh, Saramura, Brazier, Robles, and Danish finished it off with three and a third shutout innings. We had two hits from JBJ and Duran, three from JD Martinez. Uh, what were your thoughts on Hill's start today? I thought it was a, another game. He's had a couple of these where he's been rolling and then things just unravel quickly and it happened in the what I mentioned in the pop-up there that ended up being a double because it didn't touch anybody's glove but it clearly should have been caught and at that point he would have had two outs and nobody on and you never know he gave up three straight hits so all the runs were earned Uh, and then the, the fourth run ended up being unearned on a Devers error which was a play that should have been made so it's not the first time this year that he'll hasn't had a great defensive performance behind him. I think there was a game in Detroit where the same thing happened. There was a couple questionable plays, and then he just couldn't get out of it. So, you know, probably the difference between a guy on second and one out and nobody on with two outs, you'd love to know what would have happened there. Uh, overall, I thought he's kind of pitched the way that Rich Hill pitches, you know. Not not quite a, uh, a quality start, but he got into the sixth inning, and he's been a fifth starter and given them decent outings, chance to win most times out. Um, so, you know, I thought it was just kind of more of the same, but he probably deserved a little bit of a better fate today. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. Um, speaking of the rotation, as we get closer and closer to sales return, uh, Corey indicated that he would prefer sale to return in the rotation, um, and not really push for him to be in a relief role just to get back to the majors quicker. Um, Evaldi looks like he will have a minimum stay, so he should be back by the time Sale comes back. So with Sale returning, presumably to the rotation then, um, who is the odd man out in the rotation? Is it Hill? I think it is. And I think, um, yeah, I, I would say that Evaldi, Sale, Pavetta, Whitlock, and Waka would have to be the, the five. Now, it also could work itself out there easily could be another injury we just saw 
two guys go down. Um, you could see around the All-Star break where they could put a pitcher on the DL or IL to, um, you know, preserve innings with those few days off and, you know, start them on the on the later end. You, know, you see that happen sometimes. So you could kind of buy some more time there with Hill. Um, I think he'd thrown 49 innings. I think that was before today, so he's around 55. I mean, I, I would have expected Hill to throw somewhere in the 100 to 120 range, so I could see him in the rotation for another month and then maybe being a long guy after that. I I just think he's the, the sixth guy, which could mean he gets five to eight more starts as things happen in the second half. So something that just popped into my head we haven't talked about on um, any of the podcasts that I've been on yet. But what do you think about the possibility of going to a six-man rotation to try and manage those innings with Sale coming off of, um, you know, basically I think he's at like 40 innings over the last three years, um, and Hill coming off of the, his the first season of uh, him being over 100 innings in, in seven years yeah. um, to kind of manage those innings and get these guys to the end of the year? Do you think there's a chance that they move to a six-man rotation to try and keep those guys fresh to get to the end of the year? I don't think so. It might just be that I'm, I'm not much of a fan of the six-man rotation, so I'm hoping that they don't. Uh, I think there's a better chance that you see Hill piggybacking or being the long guy coming in after a right-handed pitcher starts. Um, you know, it's a possibility, but I don't know that there's anybody, like looking through the innings, Ivaldi's on the IL right now, he's at 68, Pavetta's at 75, uh, Waka 54, Hill 49 entering today, Whitlock 48. Now that's somebody who I would have said that they are going to want to uh, limit Whitlock's innings, especially since it looked like he, he had a couple of starts where he wasn't throwing as hard recently. But now he's on the IL. So the only guy I could see needing to limit their innings a little bit could be Pavetta. Um, but he hasn't had arm injuries in recent years or anything like that. So I'd like to see them stay at a five-man rotation um, selfishly. All right. What do you think? MVP of the series. Um, for, yeah, six-man, I I could maybe see it around the All-Star break as they're, like, reshuffling things and going through a, a really tough stretch with the American League East. I don't think they have a ton of days off either. Yeah, I could see it for stretches of the season, but I don't think it would be something, like, they string together and do consecutively for a long period of time. Sure. Uh, who's your MVP of the series? Um, I am going to have to go with Raphael Devers. He hit, uh, you know, kind of the put-away home run in each of the first two games. He only had one hit on Tuesday and Wednesday, but he had four hard-hit balls on Savant Tuesday and three more on Wednesday. So somehow he had seven hard-hit balls and two hits. Uh, so even though he only had two hits, I still have to go with him because he had the two biggest hits of the series and the two wins. Yep, that's same same place I went to. All right. We'll take a quick break, come back, and preview the series against Cardinals. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, you're up to the minute standings in the American League East. 
The Yankees are in first at 46 and 16. Nine and a half games back is the Blue Jays. 11 games back of them are the Rays. Then 13 games back of them are the Red Sox. Two games back of the Rays. And then 19 and a half games back, Baltimore, who are six and a half games back of the Red Sox. Now welcoming, um, I believe it is welcoming. Yeah, welcoming the Cardinals to Fenway Park. For a little three-game series, they are first in the NL Central at 37-28. and 28. Red Sox currently at 34-30. and 30. Pitching matchups for this, we got Waka versus Wainwright, Game 1. Cutter Crawford, Dakota Hudson in Game 2. And Nick Pavetta versus Andre Palanti in Game 3. How do we feel about those matchups? Well, I'm glad that they aren't seeing uh, Miles Michaelis, who has out of nowhere to be one of the, the great pitchers in the in the National League. It seems to me that that they're giving him an extra day after he threw about 130 pitches on Tuesday night, coming one strike away from a no-hitter. So I guess it would be good that they're not seeing him. Um, I think, you know, Wainwright continues to pitch well. He's been pretty good recently. Um, I would say Pavetta Palante is a big edge to the Red Sox with Palante. He's Went two innings in the last outing. I don't know if that's going to be an opener or um, how that one will shake out, but I would think that they have the edge. So Waka Wainwright should be a really good matchup. And Crawford Hudson, kind of similar. Crawford was great in the last game. So you think if you can get one of those two, and they should win the game on Sunday if you look exclusively at the pitching matchups and, and hopefully take two out of three. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, Waka Wainwright, obviously kind of the headliner there, but the way Waka's been pitching, got to have a ton of confidence there. Um, Crawford's been better as of late. Uh, and then Pavetta, whatever, it seems like that, like you pointed out, it's probably leaning towards a bullpen game from the Cardinals there. So got to feel like you've got, um, a lot of confidence in Pavetta to handle that game on Sunday. Find a way to uh, pitch around Paul Goldschmidt, who is hitting 347, 16 homers, 56 RBIs, and a 1070 OPS, and is seemingly homered every at bat the whole week. So, um, similar to Devers, I, I, you could see that, that it would be the battle of, uh, of two really hot players coming into the series between Devers and Goldschmidt, who are both MVP candidates at this point. Yeah, so turning our attention there, um, this Cardinals team has got some pretty tough outs here. In this lineup, uh, Tommy Edmond at the top. Oh, let's start through that. Tommy Edmond leading off. Uh, Brandon Donovan, who's kind of come out of uh, come out of nowhere to be pretty darn consistent for them. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, batting fourth. Nolan Gorman batting fifth. Tyler O'Neill batting sixth. Dylan Carlson seventh. Yadier Molina eighth. Harrison Bader ninth. Uh, Tommy Edmond is having an awesome season. Uh, Nolan Arenado has found himself outside of cores uh, this season. Uh, having a much better year. You just outlined Paul Goldschmidt. Um, this is a tough lineup. The top of this lineup is pretty tough. Bottom of the lineup has a lot of swing and miss in it, but the top, top of the lineup is very tough. Yeah, and they've added, as you mentioned, Gorman. Um, he was called up and has really, they've put him at, at the top unless they're facing a left-hander. He's been up there every game, and he's been playing very well and playing a good second base defensively. Um, so that was kind of a jolt for them, and they just they just find a way. I mean, year after year, you look at the the Cardinals on paper, and they have a couple of, of good hitters, it seems, and then a couple players that that could emerge, and a middling staff, and there they are again. You know, Adder, uh, 
around the top. Yeah, they they are a game and a half up in the division. So yeah, at the top of the division again, and they just find a way and have for seems to be like two decades now. But definitely, you know, uh, like I said, you know, it, Goldschmidt's the guy that, that that is red hot. But you outline Edmund. I mean, seven homers, fifteen steals, and a two eighty five average. That's hell of a table setter. Yeah. And then you got uh, Harrison Bader, uh, 14 steals in the nine spot. So that turning over the lineup with all of that speed, um, that can give Red Sox trouble there. So the good news is uh, Harrison Bader not getting on base at nearly the same clip as Tommy Edmonds. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, um, and it's cool that, um, you know, they'll get Albert Pujols in the farewell tour. I know they haven't played the Cardinals here, I think, in five years. So it's, it's yeah. good that we'll get to see Albert Pujols one last time. Yeah. All right, what's your prediction for the series? Yeah, I might have already alluded to it, but I'll go uh, two out of three with a, a Sunday win, and uh, hopefully they can can get one other. I'll say they win on uh, Friday and Sunday. I'm going two out of three as well. I feel like those are the two that they'll get for wins as well. Uh, MVP? I will say J.D. Martinez, but I am hoping that it's Trevor Story because he's kind of back slumping again. He's hit 146 in the last 10 games. And I just think he's due for that, uh, like that Seattle four game series earlier in the year where he hits, you know, two or three home runs. And he's just got to get it back together because he just seems to be pressing a little bit. And really, all of his action has come in in about a two week span. So I hope it's Story, but I'll uh, conservatively go with Martinez. Yeah, so I went with Bogarts, but I was also hoping for Story. <laughs> That's kind You're of funny. The that same you... thing? Yeah, exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we have some other great pods on the over the pod over the Monster Podcast Network. So uh, keep your your earbuds tuned in for everything that we're dropping here on your feed for you. Um, you can find us at Over the Monster, where we uh, actually haven't done roundtables all that recently, but um, I assume we'll pick those back up again. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Spoken Keats. You can find Bob at Bob Oscar 15. Thanks for listening, and we will be with you again on Sunday to recap the series against the Cardinals, preview the series against the Tigers. 